Welcome to the Mindful Movement for Parkinson's podcast and audio library. Um, Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Paul Zeiger. Um, Dr. Zeiger has a background in electrical engineering and also in the practice of yoga. And when he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, he ended up looking into yoga as uh, a way to help manage the disease and then teaching many other people to do the same. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Zeiger. My pleasure. Okay, so the first question I wanted to ask you is just a little bit about your own diagnosis uh, with Parkinson's. When did it happen, and what was your initial reaction to that? Well, it happened, I think it was early in the year of 2006. And uh, naturally, it was like any... I think for anyone, a diagnosis of something that's not curable is a shock. Uh, It was perhaps a little less of a shock to me than it might otherwise have been because I had enough connection with my own body to know that something was really wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, and, and in particular, uh, earlier in in mid-2005, I'd had an episode during which uh, for several days, I could either breathe or sleep, but not do both at once. Mm. Uh, that leads one into neurological states that I don't care to repeat. Mm. Uh, and at the time, uh, I had a lot of medical diagnosis work done. And even though my, my wife, an experienced uh, psychologist of many years, uh, urged the docs to take a look at whether I had Parkinson's or not, uh, none of them paid any attention to her. Uh, So when we went back uh, to uh, a neurologist in uh, 2006, by then I had some of the normal uh, motor symptoms showing up. Uh, reduced gait, stooped posture, uh, stiff left arm, no, stiff right right arm. Mm -hmm. And uh, this gave enough of a pattern that uh, uh, the uh, neurologist that we were going to, who was highly competent, she was on the faculty of of a university, uh, knew the medications really well, uh, followed best practices at the time in, mm-hmm. in 2006 uh, and she, 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 when she got through examining me she said well what can I do for you and we looked at her in great surprise and said well we came to see if Paul had Parkinson's or not and she said oh so you want yeah. she said yes he does uh. and uh, we said well uh, okay we looked around the office for uh, uh, handouts or uh, any material on what I could do from, from my end and at that time there were not any uh, and this was not a backwoods place this was a Tucson mm-hmm. big university town yeah uh, <clears throat> so uh, I, at, the, at the time a, a, a number of things went through my head I really felt for my wife who uh, f- for whom a diagnosis of uh, 
uh, Parkinson's in your spouse is, I, I think, in some respects, worse than having it yourself. Uh, and I was, both of us were distressed at the uh, absence of uh, learning materials for mm -hmm. ourselves. So, being who we are, we uh, went to work generating them. And mm. uh, the first thing I did was increase my yoga practice. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to ask you about that. So you had told me on a previous time when we were talking that you had a background in yoga and um, that one of the things you noticed was that you were losing certain postures to your Parkinson's and you set about getting them back for yourself. And I was impressed by that, thinking that instead of thinking of the disease as something that was inevitably going to take movement away from you, you took it as a challenge to get it back. So did you start doing yoga pretty much right away then after that, uh, that diagnosis? Well, I had, a, uh, I had a pretty decent practice going already. Mm -hmm. uh, I w would do, m m practice almost daily at home, and I had my, my, my main uh, learning environment was a weekly uh, class mm -hmm. uh, with uh, Darren Rhodes, and if anybody knows Darren, you know, you, he's he's offers the uh, the most polished and hardest stuff mm. that you, the student, are capable of. So he had me doing. I I, I was I, I started in yoga a, a bit late in life, and I, I I never really got to being able to do handstands in the middle of the room, but I could do them for quite a while at the at the uh, at the wall, mm -hmm. the wall for balance. Yeah. This was at age 69, so, you know, I was already mm -hmm. <clears throat> getting on in years. And how old are you now, just so our listeners uh, have that idea? This, this November, I'll turn 79. Okay, great. Um, so one of the things I lost was that ability to, to, to uh, do a handstand at the wall. And as I examined it, and I had lots of friends who were happy to help me out, uh, if I had help getting up, I could hold it almost as long as I had before, but it was the kick up that was missing, and uh, that was a clue that uh, Parkinson's uh, particularly attacks the combination of uh, force and quickness, force mm. and, and speed. Yeah, let me just have you pause there just to uh, explain it a little further. So Dr. Zeiger is saying that the kick up the move that he would use to get up into the handstand on the wall was gone, and that was a clue to him of what sorts of movements were being uh, maybe degraded by his Parkinson's symptoms. Yeah, because I had the strength to hold the pose, mm -hmm. but I somehow couldn't deliver force with, you know, the, you, the way you kick up at the wall, if, if you're not familiar, is you, you extend one leg upward, and the other one, you, you walk in with a with bent knee, and you you push it against the floor and with a quick thrust, and up go the up goes the second leg and you yeah. catch, your, catch your heels on the wall. Well, that upward thrust was uh, not <laughs> happening with the with the same combination of speed and and and, and force that uh -huh. uh, it, it was before. And uh, having a, a background in engineering and knowing about the impulse momentum theorem, I know you know it's a question of force over how short a time can you can you deliver the force yeah uh, so uh, 
I'm a great believer in you can learn at any age. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 79. I'm still learning things. Mm -hmm. uh, so you may be able to learn back something that, that, that you formerly knew how to do. You might do it in a little different way. You might use slightly different muscles. You yeah. might approach it with a little different attitude or, or, or use a different, or, or and, and perhaps resort to a prop. Uh, but there's always a, you know, a chance. And sometimes it doesn't work. You know, mm -hmm. some, some things you, 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 you don't learn your way back. But what's most important to me is you don't know in advance which ones you're going to be able to learn mm -hmm. back and which ones you won't. Yeah. So you've got to find it out by experiment. Mm -hmm. So I found out a lot of things by experiment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, a, a lot of those uh, poses are now, for me, at my age now, 10 years later, gone. Uh, but, you know, uh, I lost him honestly. You know, I, That's I right. Until, and you're, until not, and you're not gone. <laughs> I'm not gone. I'm still kicking. That's right. Although yeah. not up at the wall. Yeah. Uh, so that seemed a very valuable thing to have learned. I actually got better at some things yeah. after diagnosis mm -hmm. than, than, I, than I was before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that was a good lesson to learn, and uh, when Carolyn and I moved away from Tucson back to our home state of Colorado, and uh, were trying to open some uh, uh, things for us to do in retirement in yeah. Denver, uh, we hit upon uh, teaching some of this stuff to other people, and we 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 ended up for the next seven years teaching both individuals and uh, classes or the uh, Parkinson Association of the Rockies, uh, specific to people with, with Parkinson's. And everything I could learn from my body, I offered to the class, and mm -hmm. everything that worked on their bodies as well as mine, mm -hmm. uh, I carried into the future. So Great, was, yeah. Let me, let me ask you some questions about your teaching um, yoga to other people who have Parkinson's disease. So... I'm guessing that probably the majority of those people did not have an existing yoga practice. That's Is correct. Is that right? Okay. Well, that so, was rare to have an existing yoga Well, occasionally. Yeah. So what was your process of developing both, I guess, principles to teach and also maybe specific poses that you felt would be good for a lot of people with Parkinson's? Well, uh, my uh, principal training as a teacher was... Uh, so, sort of receding into the dim past at that point. Yeah. But I had spent a lot of time uh, around John Friend and uh, the Anasara tradition that, that uh, Darren was was teaching back then. Uh-huh. And that uh, approach had uh, means for a lot of attention to individual differences. Mm -hmm. So I took advantage of having... Carolyn available as an experienced yo my wife your wife yeah mm -hmm. available as an experienced yogi assistant and we rounded we, we did our best to find any uh, yoga teachers especially any with therapeutic experience mm -hmm. who felt like coming in and, and assisting with us so that we'd have as many uh, folks uh, with hands on the students as possible and we uh, graduated the uh, the challenge so that we start off as you, you would in any introductory course with pretty basic poses mm -hmm. 
and <clears throat> we got to be very good at uh, whittling down the challenge in a classic yoga pose uh-huh. to something that uh, would give some of the same challenge, uh, but at a lower level of exertion or, or, or a lower level of flexibility or a low, lower level of whatever was missing in the particular Parkinson's student. Yeah. And we discovered that certain things tend to go missing with Parkinson's faster than mm-hmm. the ordinary population. And uh, certain things had to be uh, treated a little differently because of uh, safety considerations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all in all, it was n- not all that different from an introductory yoga class if you were willing to, ex- if you ever had been doing classes in which you accepted people with uh, injuries or difficulties yeah. of some sort. Yeah, that's interesting. That resonates for me in the, the Feldenkrais classes that I teach for Parkinson's in the sense that sometimes people's spouses come with them who are uh, also maybe in their 70s, um, 60s, 70s, and often to my mind there isn't a huge differentiation between the person with Parkinson's and their spouse. Um, They both have things that they can work on through movement. Maybe the Parkinson's symptoms are a little bit more particular, something like a tremor, but it doesn't look to me like, oh, these people need some kind of super specialized focus, whereas those people don't. It's, um, it looks like a bunch of people who can benefit from movement. Well, you raise an important point. Uh, we started out uh, welcoming uh, the students' care partners. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the longer, we, the longer we were in the game... Uh, the more we became enthusiastic about encouraging the students' care partners to, to, to join them. Yeah. Uh, for several reasons. One was the care partners endured a lot of stress. As I said before, I, my getting a diagnosis of Parkinson's, mm-hmm. I, I, I felt was a, was a, was a more uh, nasty hit, against, hit on my uh, partner than on, yeah. even than on me. Because I knew there was something wrong, and now, now at least I had a label I could I could go against. Yeah. Um, the first year we taught, we had more care partners come in with uh, injuries from activities of daily living than the Parkinson's students themselves. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that was a that was a clear indicator to us that that we had something to offer the. The, the care partners as well, and as a matter of fact, my wife, the psychologist, noted that there were no support groups at mm-hmm. the time for mm. par- for uh, spouses and care partners of people with Parkinson's, so she started one. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. <clears throat> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so as you expanded your program of teaching yoga to others, did you come to have a feeling of um, what you would recommend to someone who is somewhat newly diagnosed who really wanted to make yoga part of their treatment regimen, would you tell them, come to class once a week and do it a few times a week at home or look for three classes a week? I guess, what would you say to someone who's in that position today when there is more yoga available? Yeah. Uh, Let me finish with one more thing about uh, care partners. Sure. We also found that the, the... the people who came in couples, as couples, 
stuck with it longer and 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 practiced more effectively than yeah. on the average than than, than the folks who were solo. Mm, interesting. Um, with respect to personal personal practice, like everything else, there's room for a lot of individual variability in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my own practice, uh, even before Parkinson's, I liked the idea of one challenging class with a with an instructor who gave some attention to individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those a week, and uh, uh, a home practice most days. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to take a day or maybe even two days off during the week, uh, that's fine. Uh, however, I am also a big believer in getting something in the way, something in uh, almost every day. And when uh, people who don't have Parkinson's uh, remark to me about how fanatical I am about walking almost every day, I tell them, well, if I skip walking for three or four days, I'll forget how. <laughs> and that's yeah. literally true. Yeah, yeah. Parkinson's is a big is a big forgetter of muscle memory. Yeah, yeah. So if 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 I don't spend a certain amount of time, most days, walking with my attention on the walking, not on bird watching or, or yeah, or, or greeting friends or anything like that, but paying attention to where, what, what my hips are doing, what my shoulders are doing, what my yeah. calves and thighs are doing. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll lose that ability. Now, I have ten years of experience that if I keep at it, mm-hmm. I've I've held that. You know, I can yeah. I can still walk uh, almost normally. I've got a little balance issue these days that keeps yeah. me from from hewing to a perfectly straight line the way I used to be able to. Yeah. Do. Although uh, I want to fill in for our listeners here who don't see you. Um, Dr. Zeiger has a very slim physique and, to my mind, very good posture. So for a 79-year-old with Parkinson's, um, I would say you're, uh, you're not just doing well, but doing very well, as it, as it appears. Uh, yeah, there are things here that, that you might consider challenges that, that turn out not to be as tough as you might have thought. Uh-huh. We found in the classes that we were pretty fanatical about standing posture and, and walking. Yeah. And uh, we found that uh, our the average in our Parkinson's class standing posture, we were pretty sure it was better than the average standing posture for, for folks the same age. Yeah, general, for the general population. The general population the same age. Right. Yeah, because you're paying continuous attention to it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah. Great. So, I mean, you've kind of hinted at it already, but what is your what is your uh, exercise regimen or your say an average week? Um, how much do you walk, and what what other types of movement or exercise do you try to get in at this point in your life? <clears throat> well, uh, first of all, there's the the oh, there's the walking I already I already spoke of. Yeah, uh, and how almost, long how long do you walk day. on an average day? Typically, more than twenty minutes. Uh huh. And typically less than thirty. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm I'm happy to walk more than thirty. And in fact, I've got a cousin who's a native Boulderite here, who's a, a 
park ranger, and she uh, she has a, a dog that belongs to her daughter that doesn't get enough walking, and, mm-hmm. and, and plus me. Yeah, and uh, she, bar- she she she's happy to walk us both. Yeah, in Boulder Mountain Park for uh, oh, I've gone three hours at at a stretch. Wow. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I I could use more of those. Mm. But the, anyhow, that's that's walking. Um, lately, I've had uh, sciatica. Mm-hmm. First time I've ever had it. Oh, and w- with regard to cardio. Uh, the, the walking I'm talking about is brisk. Yeah. And this is Boulder, so there's I can easily find places where there's slope. Yeah. And I like walking up and down slopes, especially pretty steep ones. Yeah. Which I, is a cardio challenge, and it's also a balance challenge, yes. isn't it? Yeah. It's yes. a vestibular system challenge too. Yeah. Uh, the day before yesterday, I, I I chose a hill up to campus to walk up, and uh, I was I was playing. Uh, Susan marches in my headphones, ah. in mm-hmm. my earbuds as I was going up. And I found that if I went at halftime, mm-hmm. march, you know, sort of at halftime compared to what I was doing on the level, I could gain altitude on this rather steep steep hill uh-huh. uh, and still stay within my VO2 max. When I got to the top, I turned around and came down, and I happened to be, I found myself in the middle of the, CU football team, which was descending the same oh slope goodness. at the same time, but they were not going much faster than I was because they had uh, mud cleats on their uh-huh. on their boots, so they had worse traction than I did. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, so fun things like that are easy to are easy to find around here, and I think in most places. Yeah. So that's one. I have a recumbent trike. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which has been in the family for a long time. Uh, it may have been implicated in my gen- in my development of the uh, sciatica, so I've been off mm. that for mm-hmm. for a while till I get, till I get the sciatica under control, and uh, that has also influenced what I do in the way of daily practice because I have some uh, physical therapy that is aimed at cl- clearing up the sciatica, and it's do- it's doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the benefit of bo- of both my own yoga background, when the, when, I, when the sciatica showed up, uh, the, the background of my general physician, so family physician, who's also a runner, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, an excellent physical therapist that I got referred to, who's also a, a relative. She's, her mother is a cousin of ah, my wife's. Yeah, and uh, all of us were headed. All of us pointed in the same. I'm happy to say that all 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 three expertises all pointed in pretty much the same direction. Mm-hmm. Although, mm-hmm. of course, the guys with the deeper training had more had deeper stuff to to recommend. Yeah. So that's been a, sort of an education for me. I've learned more about how you approach that particular special thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Matt, some of the uh, things I'm finding is that are working is attention to fine combinations of uh, muscle motions, like. Mm. Is, it, belong to your your professional mm. specialty that's great and uh when it's sciatica which has can generate a lot of pain it's really you really get a, 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 a sure indication of when you're doing something right yeah that's for sure yeah i had a bout of sciatica myself a number of years ago while i was doing a lot of intensive medication and uh, meditation excuse me and uh 
yeah, that was something I was very eager to get relieved. It's pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. And these things can happen to anybody, you know. It's, yeah. It's not like you just because you're a big yogi, it doesn't mean you don't get a sciatica yeah. or a trick shoulder or a stiff neck or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I guess I want to ask you a, a broader question as well, which which uh, is, in the time that you've been in the Parkinson's world, the last 10, 11 years, um, how have you seen the overall treatment picture change? Uh-huh. Well, uh, first of all, those doctor's offices that, like the one that didn't have any handouts and didn't have any prescriptions for anything but prescription drugs, mm -hmm. have all changed. Mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 there are a lot of neurologists uh, writing uh, prescriptions for physical therapy, for example. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there are lots of support groups. Mm -hmm. uh, there are lots of exercise programs available, at least in the centers that I know about, Boulder, Denver, uh, Portland, uh, Boston, mm -hmm. uh, Chicago, and probably a lot of other places. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how widely this is spread, but I know that the Davis Finney Foundation is working very hard to cover everybody in the United States in one way or another. Yeah. Uh, best practice has has changed over those over those 10 years uh -huh. and I'm very happy to have been somebody who was sort of participating in it and, and, and helping push it along. Just before we left Tucson I met uh, Becky Farley who's one of the leading uh, physical therapists in this in this area. She's uh -huh. developed a thing called Power Gym mm -hmm. and uh, we were both kind of motivated in, in the same direction. We knew that Things that you did that you could do for yourself could be very effective in helping with Parkinson's. Yeah, and we wanted to 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 make that happen for more people and learn more about how it how it worked. Well, I just so happened that I moved to Denver then, so I didn't get to see her again for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, while we were doing our thing in Denver, the physical therapy community uh, really became. Uh, uh, also on their own, engaged in, in working with Parkinson's, they discovered what a what a terrific difference it could make. Yeah. And uh, they started putting up webinars, one of which I attended, all all day webinar. Uh huh. On uh, physical therapy for for uh, for Parkinson's. So um, I, I want to put in a plug here for culture, <laughs> cross cultural cooperation on these things. Yeah. Uh, I I found that uh, yoga teachers physical therapists, individual personal trainers, all had a stake in much in a, in a lot of the same in a lot of the same issues uh, uh -huh. con concerning Parkinson's, and uh, we had uh, a lot more to gain from cooperation than than, than from competition. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I think anybody uh, with getting a diagnosis of Parkinson's these days. Uh, has a, a a wide range of stuff to to look toward out there. Mm -hmm. uh, we in our yoga classes were getting uh, prescriptions from uh, uh, have been have gotten prescriptions from uh, doctors who said you know take that yoga class. Yeah. 
uh, and as and, and if some physical therapy outfit in the in in the, the area came up with uh, uh, a lot of good uh, stuff to do for Parkinson's, you know, they would assign yeah. over there. Yeah, I I was not in competition with anybody. I was looking to work my way out of out of business. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I I knew I was going to get tired mm -hmm. eventually, and that's mm -hmm. what I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. And um, the last thing I'd like to ask you about is I know that you and I share a background in meditation, although from different schools. And this isn't actually isn't something I've asked you about before, but how has uh, meditation um, interacted with your experience of Parkinson's disease? Meditation is awfully good for retaining your composure when you've taken some kind of a hit. Uh-huh. Uh, I think anybody who has seriously meditated reaches for it uh, in circumstances like that. So that's the, the sort of the, kind of the first thing that that pops into my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, like anything else, it's better if it's regular. Yeah. I have always been a somewhat irregular meditator, except in circumstances when I was in an ashram or someplace. Yeah. Uh, uh, however, we have here, within walking distance of where we live, a meditation center that we uh, were the original managers of 40 years ago. Mm, mm -hmm. And it's still there. We're not active in its management or in its functioning, but uh, we're pretty regular about showing up there at, at a, a weekly meditation program. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, that, has been a, that has been a great blessing mm -hmm. uh, mm. to have that there. Mm. When we've not lived in places that had such resources, I would do something on my own at home. Mm -hmm. uh, and it would be, you know, some number of times a week, but I, it was rare for me to, to really get it regular. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay, and I guess the last question I would ask is um, just to anyone out there who's listening who has Parkinson's disease, if you could sum up in a nutshell, like, what's been the most helpful thing for you to keep your eye on over the last 10 years in terms of working with the disease? Well, there's one there's one big angle here that we have not touched on at all, mm -hmm. and that is that I would like to also put in a plug for conventional Western medicine here. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Cinemet, the primary uh, med for this condition, was came into use in I think in the 1960s. If anybody is familiar with the film or book Awakening. Okay. Sorry, you were just saying about the film Awakenings. That the film and book Awakenings uh, catalog the uh, the first really difficult steps forward in medicating uh, Parkinson's. Uh, there's a lot to be learned there for, for I say I would think, say for the individual who has it or anybody who is caring for such a person. Uh, and the medications now are very effective. Mm -hmm. um, and we found that they were synergistic with, with my uh, personal practices, that the, the, the meds made it easier to do the poses and the exercises that uh, I uh, was needing to do in order to retain some of those 
some of those capabilities. We had a lot of students come to us and say, gee, I, I, I hate the idea of, 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 of medications. Can you uh, help me not use medications? And we would always tell them uh, that that's not where we're at. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I am for the best combination of personal personal work and uh, meds that that seems to work. And, yeah. Uh, my I've always had excellent neurologists who were very good at at, at uh, uh, fine tuning uh, yeah. Yeah. prescriptions, and uh, that has been a that has been a a, a, a great resource for me. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in looking at, in answering your question about you know, what do I do when I've first been diagnosed, I say look for the, look for the gold standard treatment in all departments. You, yeah. know, you, 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 hunt the, you hunt for the yoga or, and the physical therapy and the medication and whatever else. And by the way, uh, if you can get some neurologist who specializes in Parkinson's, that's very good because it's a complicated yeah. thing, and it's and it's really hard to keep up with all the things that are currently going on. Yeah, yeah, the developments in medication and so forth. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for doing this interview. Um, this has been an interview with Dr. Paul Zeiger, uh, professor of electrical engineering, uh, yogi, and yoga teacher, uh, and. Uh, uh, vigorous exerciser at age 79 with Parkinson's <laughs> disease. Okay. Thank you. That's a good description. Okay. Thanks very much.